This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbroadcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. The following episode of TOEFOP is rated M.A. It may contain Batman references, time travel references, sexual references, lost trains of thought, and mild coarse language. TOEFOP advises that the program is not suitable for anyone under the age of 15 or anyone who enjoys succinct, coherent conversation that might actually have a point. Minors must be accompanied by a parent, guardian or priest. This is John Deke speaking. Everyone relax. This is Tofop. I'm Charlie Clawson. I'm Will Anderson. Hello. How are you? Good. I had an uh, MRI done yesterday. Oh, did you? Yeah. There's yeah. no I in MRI. No, there is. Oh, there is. <laughs> it stands Sorry, for imaging. Yeah. Sorry. No, you're right. It's a good point. <laughs> I think it's I don't know. It's a terrible expression. <laughs> I think it does. All right. Medical. Oh, right. No, mag- magnetic. Magnetic. It's, it's mag- definitely magnetic. Magnetic. You have to take off all your like. Uh, mag- yeah, all your metal stuff. Yeah. Magnetic. Uh, Resonance. Resonance imaging. Imaging. That sounds right. I don't know if it is right though. I'll look it up. Magnetic resonance imaging or magenta resonance imaging. Magnetic resonance, not resonance. You said resonance though, right? Resonance. Magnetic resonance imaging. Resonance as in people who live in a house. No. Magnetic resonance. Resonance. As in music. Resonance. Has resonance. Uh, Imaging. Yes. MRI. Because they spin two big magnets around your head, right? And yeah. and then somehow they can see things. Well, I had to go and get an MRI uh, for my back stuff when, right. when I was getting my injections into my back. So one of the things I had to do first was go and get an MRI so that they would uh, know where to stick the needle in. And uh, they made me take off. Uh, I, I'm not a jewelry person, as, right. as you know. Uh, but last year for my birthday, Amy got me a uh, like a... <laughs> A necklace? <laughs> like a, a Prince bangle. Albert? Yeah, a Prince Albert. <laughs> a penis ring? Yeah, a penis ring for Christmas. <laughs> it's a massive. It's the size of like a cowbell. It's I just really woke up and painful. there was actually a box around my dick. <laughs> it was a surprise present. <laughs> <laughs> she drugged me. She roofied me. I mean, is that... And I woke up on Christmas morning. I mean, is that disappointing if you wake up and there's a present in your lap and you're like, oh boy, and you open it and it's your own dick? <laughs> but jewels. <laughs> your partner's just cut a hole out of the bottom of a box. <laughs> it's my dick in a box. Up. It's your own dick in a box. It's the perfect present. Dick in the box for one. Uh, yeah, so I had to take that off because I haven't taken it off since because I, I said to her, I said, I don't really wear uh, like a you know, necklace or anything. Do you call it a necklace for a man? Is it still called a necklace for a man? I don't say necklace. I say necklace. Necklace. Yeah, that... I think it's St. Nicholas. Nicholas. Necklace. I don't know. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> it's too early in the pod for us to be like getting splitting hairs over necklace or necklace. Necklace. I say necklace. Let's call the whole thing off. Uh, but yeah, so necklace. Nick jewelry. <laughs> Jack Nicholas. Jack Nicholas. The golden bear. <laughs> You've had to take a golden bear off your neck. Uh, so I took it off right. uh, for the first time because I've pretty much worn it uh, straight since. Did you do like, did you like kiss the pendant before you took it off? You're like, you know, like in every action film, it's like just before you go into battle, you're like, yeah, I'm going to bed. I'm going to take it off because you're Spanish in my... In my impression of this action it, it film. It doesn't have a pendant. Oh. 
It's just a chain. Oh, right. Oh, it's a chain. That's what I have. That's much more. Yeah, 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 yeah. I have a chain. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Now you're like, like a hip hop star. Yeah, exactly. Rather necklace. Exactly. <laughs> pearls. <laughs> so I took off my pearls. <laughs> yeah. Well, this is how unfamiliar I am with neck jewelry. <laughs> right. That I've misidentified it. I have a chain. Yeah, yeah, so I'm wearing a chain. I would call it a necklace as well. Yeah, though, well, yeah, yeah. That's the difference between you. And <laughs> yeah, I'm a chain yeah, guy, yeah, and you're, you're a st- necklace man. You're from the street. It's fine. The I've street where they sell very expensive fine, <laughs> chains. Exactly. Clutch your pearls. I don't mind. So anyway, you went yeah. and got an MRI. Why, yeah. Why did you have to get an MRI? Because I've been getting these uh, headaches lately, and okay. uh, it's actually since I got back in Australia. I was just any time, any exertion, like if I had to pick something up or if I had to run or anything like that, I'd just get this like painful, like really like to the point where I have to stop what I was doing and just like let this thing pass. And so I was like, fuck, am I having a stroke or something? Well, something that doesn't seem like it's normal. Well, no, no. So I went and saw my GP. So she tested my blood pressure and that was all normal. So she didn't think it's a stroke. But GP did your BP? GP did my BP. (laughs) She said it was okay. (laughs) Uh, so she just said, look, just for a precaution, cause I was getting my, I get like a general every year. And so we're doing blood work and she said, I'll just send you in for an MRI just to be certain. She thinks what it might be is cause I had a toothache while I was traveling in Europe. And so she thinks it might be related to like sinus or tooth or something like that. Cause that whole area, she said pressure builds up, which I haven't had a headache for a few days now. So. I don't know, but I've I've got the scan results. We'll find out. We'll open we'll open the envelope next week on TOEFOP. Yeah, live, find on, out live on air. How much longer I've got to live? I mean, it might be a compelling arc. I think we were talking a couple La- of weeks ago about last the week, idea in that fact. one of us would die. <laughs> yeah, uh, I uh, have we had, should run a poll. <laughs> do you think I'm most likely to die? No, no. I'm, what my results are going to be when I open the MRI? Right, and then we don't open them. We just go by the listener poll. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We open them at your deathbed yeah. as a surprise. Ooh, big mistake by us. Everyone wanted him to live. Um, I went to the dentist last week and I'm going to the dentist again tomorrow. Right. How do you yeah. feel about that? Well, so I lost an entire tooth basically last week. Well, I lost a filling, um, but uh, it did was my back. Did the tooth fairy bring you any money? Tooth fairy did not bring me any money. That's Although I did put the tooth. Prick. Well, you know what? I did put the tooth in the bin. And no, I did that's not, not check. No, you expect the fucking tooth fairy to come and pick through your garbage? You son of a bitch. He asked, do you know how many kids he has to visit each night? And when he comes to your place, you disrespect him by throwing your tooth in the garbage. Well, when you put it like that, I don't deserve the money. No. You're absolutely right. Yeah. And I'm not even saying that he didn't come because I didn't check the garbage the next day to see if oh, no, he took the tooth had been removed he took the tooth and just replaced to, by a shiny gold coin. Just to make a point to you. No, he didn't leave any money. He dug through your garbage, took the tooth... And then took a piss on the floor and left. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, I would just would have blamed the dog. Yeah, I wouldn't have known. He knew it was a perfect crime. Yeah. <laughs> I'll get you next time, Tooth Fairy. I think the Tooth Fairy will be back because uh, I thought I had not been to the dentist for about three years. And yeah. I was pretty embarrassed about that because I was raised in a family where you went every year, every year to the dentist. And um, my dad was a dentist and we didn't even do that. I know, but we did. <laughs> And then I got my front tooth, my bottom front tooth, knocked out. Hang on. I think we're going to just pause for a second. All right. So you got a tooth knocked out. 
Okay, so I got a tooth knocked out. My front, you can still see it down the bottom. My yeah. front middle tooth got knocked out. And it's had what is called a Maryland bridge or something on the back of it, which means basically... They you can just... wear it with your necklace. Exactly. It matches. I've got jewellery. It got sucked out during my MRI. That's where I lost it. Um, so it's got like metal on the back of the two teeth and it's just stuck to the two teeth next to it. And then it's just like a floating Ooh. tooth in the middle, right? So... Um... Which was a much less uh, popular follow-up to Malcolm in the Middle. <laughs> Floating tooth in the middle. Yeah. The network would go, well, I think we've got it. Yeah. Brian Cranston's doing some film about cooking meth. We'll, we'll, we'll restart the series. It's fine. Different It'll cast. be better than the other yeah. one. This <laughs> one's got a tooth in it. Yeah. So um, I was meant to get it replaced, well, probably about 20 years ago, but uh, my dentist got serious about me getting it replaced about 10 years ago. Right. But yeah, because it came out a few times, but they stuck it back on. And it's just stayed on. But basically, I think it's kind of destroying all the teeth around it and all those sort of things as well. So I've yeah. been ignoring that. I've had some other you know, teeth problems as well. And I thought that I had not been to the dentist for three years. Uh, it turns out when I went to see my dentist, Charlie, that it had been longer than three years. Really? Do you, do you want to have a guess at how long it had been since I had been to the for dentist? Five years. Higher. Seven years. Seven years. Yeah, right. Apparently, it's been seven years since I went to... I don't look after myself. Right. I've been too busy doing other shit, and I haven't been to the fucking dentist. I did a seven-year stint. I started seeing the dentist regularly about five years ago, but prior to that, it was seven years. And I went in, like, going, what the fuck are they going to find? And it was like... You see, you know those, uh, you know those ships, they fall to the bottom of the ocean, they just get covered in barnacles. Like, to get the plaque off my teeth... That dentist had to bring in like a goddamn sander. Like he had one foot on the top of my head, the other foot like on my jaw, just getting in there with that sander to get that plaque off. Like it was, the fact that I got to keep all my teeth was a miracle. Yeah, I, I look, I'm not going to get to keep all my teeth. I you don't think? I cannot see that happening. So I went in the other day, they did the rebuild and put in like, you know, um, a tooth down the bottom. And now it's just a waiting game to see if the sensitivity goes away, you know, or whether oh, you have to like... sensitive teeth. Yeah. Oh, no. And, but I'm also, I hate the, like, I hate the dentist. Maybe from that bit where I haven't been for seven years might have given some people <laughs> an indication. But it, I, for whatever reason, you know, I know that that's a reasonably common thing, but yeah. I am particularly phobic about the dentist. It's got heaps better. Here's what I will say. In seven years, they've improved some dental technology. Mm. One of the things is like my place now has like a proper flat screen on the, on the roof. Isn't it amazing? Don't you feel like you're stepping into like the medical deck on the Starship Enterprise when you go to the dentist now? Like it's all, it's like it's designed by Apple. Everything's just like sleek, white, you know, you sit in this chair, like everyone's wearing like, like these funky sci-fi sunglasses. It's very <laughs> what people think the future is. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Absolutely. Yeah. Dentists look like what movies think the future looks yeah, like. Yeah, exactly. And um, they also, uh, the what the, the brilliant thing was, they had this kind of like uh, thing that you put in your mouth where they stick the hose into, yeah. so it's like a wedge, yeah. and the hose just goes into the wedge, the suction hose. Yeah. But also, you don't have to hold... I think the thing that I hated the most about the dentist the was having to hold my mouth open. Yeah. And never thinking that I was holding it open enough. And like, I just... But with this one, it's the right size that you can then just let the rest of your teeth do their business. It holds the suction hose in. And I fell asleep for a bit while they were dentaling me. It's so funny you should say that. The reason I bring up the MRI thing is it made me realize, A, okay, this is the age I'm at now where I'm going to have to see doctors more regularly and stuff like these. I'm, my body's going to start breaking down more significantly now. 
So the guy says, look, the MRI is pretty loud, so we can put headphones right, on headphones. you. What yeah. radio station do you want to listen to? And I'm like, oh, Triple J. He's like, okay, cool. So they put me in the MRI machine. Me too, twinsies, by the way. <laughs> it starts spinning. <clears throat> it's really loud. It's really loud. Then on Triple J, they decide they're going to play a bit of Slayer. <laughs> so to drown out the jackhammer sound of the MRI, I've got Slayer going in my ears. But you know what happened? Fell asleep. <laughs> Like Grandpa Simpson. I'm on my back in an MRI machine with headphones on this and the Slayer and the machine making all this noise. And I was like, oh, God, it's so nice to be lying down. I'm going to have a little kip, 20-minute kip I had. When I came back in, I said to the guy, I'll have another five. Do you get everything you need? I'll go back under. I'm I loving mean, this. It was really one of those things where I was a little bit like that at the dentist. I was just like, this is comfy. <laughs> like That's it. We're in that Grandpa. We're at the foothill of Grandpa Simpson where... Yeah. We can fall asleep at the drop of a hat. Just sitting, being still, warrants falling asleep. So I've got to go back tomorrow, and then now they're going to do a, like a checkup of the other teeth, and um, there's going to be some issues. It's going to be ongoing, and I'm going to have to do something about this bridge, you know, at, at, you know, at some stage. And like half of my front tooth has like just gone away as well. Like, I mean, what would happen if you like? Would it be possible you for you to do an all-out assault? Like, if you had to repair. The body of Will Anderson. Like this is, this is like you know uh, uh, one of those home renovation shows yeah. where they've bought this like beautiful old house, but it needs a lick of paint, needs yeah, a bit no, of love. It doesn't knock it down, rebuild. <laughs> rebuild. It's you don't not think a, you could start? It's not. A, it's not you don't think you start in sections? Start on the foundations and then work your way up, and then like you know just bit by bit. You're not going to do it all at once. You can't go crazy. You're not going to do the backyard and the front yard and you know manicure the lawns and stuff you're going to just start with like making sure that the foundations are no what's going to happen is that you're going to like you know start on the bathroom and realize you've got massive plumbing problems and the whole thing has to get ripped up it's going to cost you a fortune yeah you get your builders around for a quote they just hand you a tin of gasoline and a box of matches yeah yeah they, they they give you your quote and then they go to uh how do I buy a Porsche.com? <laughs> because they know how much money. Yeah, no, I'm a knockdown. I'm a knockdown rebuild. But the problem is, Charlie, that I, I, I realized this, you know, obviously when my back was so bad last year and, you know, my hips have got pretty bad and, you know, my general health has not been so good that um, I, I'm probably not going to die soon enough <laughs> to feel this bad. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like I'm dying. Oh, and I'm not dying. I've probably got like another twenty or thirty years. Oh my god! And I, like I can't, I can't. You're doing the world. In fact, you. I mean, it's like you have a terminal illness. It yeah. just takes thirty years to I've kill you. I've got a slow terminal illness. I've got life, but slightly quicker. <laughs> wow. Yeah. But that's. I mean, whose prognosis? That's kind is, of actually what I feel like. That's I your feel prognosis. Like I am, right? You know how some people listen to podcasts at one and a half speed. <laughs> I feel like I'm living, living my life at one and a half speed. Yeah, it's kind of like you have the body of like a retired WWE wrestler. Like you and Mick Foley. But it's also like I've done heaps of shit. Like, I mean, not in a boasty way, just in a like... You've never been thrown off a cage though. No, but I've got like... I've, got, I've done like a heap of shit. You've lived overseas. Yeah, you've all the, the things world, that I could have ever imagined that I would have TV. done. Been on TV, yeah, I've right. done. Yeah. And right. I hurt. You're right. And I want to lie down and die. Pack <laughs> it in. Where's an MRI machine? I need to have a nap. It did actually make me wonder, I'm not sure if I've told this story before, but I actually sleep quite well with noise. Like where uh-huh. we live now is in a really busy intersection, especially in summer. But when I grew up, there were so many of us packed into our house that my bedroom had a clothes dryer in it. So 
I have many memories of like, you know, being five or six years old, asleep in my bed and hearing mum come in with the basket of washing at like nine, ten o'clock at night, chucking it on and then the dryer going for the next hour or two. Like when I stay at your place in LA, because you've got a dryer there, like when I hear it, it's it's like it, it, it soothes me. It puts oh, me to sleep. Sleazy. Yeah. <laughs> but it's also that kind of like that warm clothes kind of smell because that would like come out of the, the air filter in the in the in my bedroom when I was a kid. So I quite like like a, something, a machine rattling around and sort of spitting like dampness out into the atmosphere. I sleep pretty well through noise, I must say. Um, I'm not too bad with the... Uh, uh, I'm not so good with hammering, like that sort of hammering noise. But if it's for- intermittent and yeah. you can't, it's not... It, that's the problem. If it's a pattern, you can sort of like... Okay, um, you can tune it out. Yeah. But when it's like... And then you're like, oh, okay. Oh, fucking motherfucker. I mean, I, 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 I'm working early in the morning again now. And so that sometimes means that, you know, you head off to bed before, you know, anyone else is around in the house. And it's, I, I you know, they're like, do you want us to shut the door? Do you want us to like, no, nah, it's fine. Like, yeah. I'll go to sleep if I'm tired. I went to sleep during dental work the other day. <laughs> I can sleep through you watching the Vikings, you know, <laughs> it'll be fine. I'll be all right. Um, hey, uh, speaking of uh, television shows. Yeah. Um, uh, there's a trailer, an advertisement, uh, a something. Yeah. There's a something. Yeah. Charlie. And it's a something that, uh, a lot of people listen to this podcast and have listened to this podcast for a very long time. As soon as they saw this something, uh, their first thought was of us. Yes. And our world. Um, I'm talking of course of, uh, the, well, what is it? What is it that I am talking about, Charlie? I don't even know what it is that I'm talking about. Well, ostensibly, it was a it was a video that got released this week, which is meant to be like a teaser for an upcoming Crocodile Dundee sequel called Dundee. Right. The Son of Dundee. The Son of Dundee, which is essentially something that you and I have been talking well, about. Well, I think it was you and Justin, and then... You brought it up with me, and then we elaborated on it. To be right. honest, I want to okay. I want to credit Justin correctly in this. Does well, that sound right? Well, what I'm going to say is that I was certainly involved in a lot yeah. of this because my passion project, if I really had one, because I've never like I'd love to make a movie. My friend Kumar Nanjiani like has just got nominated for an Oscar for um, the Big Sick, you know, that he wrote mm. with uh, Emily V. Gordon, who's been on uh, my Willosophy podcast. I couldn't have been. Yeah, more excited for them. And in moments like that, you go, oh, it'd be fun to yeah. write a movie and you know do something like that. But I imagine that if I'd wanted to, the op- I probably could have had the opportunity by now to do it, right? Mm-hmm. So the fact that I haven't means that I'm not really that passionate about doing it. The only thing that probably would have changed that if someone had come to me and gone, like, I know you're interested in rebooting Crocodile Dundee, it's yours. Yeah. Like, we, we believe that you are a comedian and you genuinely have a passion and an understanding of why this story could be a cool, you know, modern take on this story. Yeah. Um, I think that I probably would have put some stuff aside and gone, okay, I'm going to sp- take some time and I'm going to write believed, a script for this crocodile. I believed in it so it. much. I wrote a three-page outline <laughs> that I shared with people because I was when we struck upon the idea, I was so struck by it. Anyone I met, I would tell about it. And I, when we had discussions about it, like we talked about, you know, like, how do we approach like Paul Hogan? Like, where do you even start an idea? Because it just seems such a like a no-brainer. Like you mentioned it to your agent. Yeah. Like, we 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 
Well, okay, so I'm skipping ahead a little bit here, but if you've heard the previous episodes, the thing that we had decided, you know, more than anything was that we would do it with Mick's son. Yeah. And that it would have to be, again, a fish out of water story. Yeah. And that it would be some aspect of, like, you know, he's been raised somewhere else or, yeah. like, you know, you know, that sort of thing. And he has to come back to Australia for something and he is, you know, it's fish out of water again, right? That's yeah. your classic Crocodile and D. But we were going to make it with a kind of bit more of, like, an edgy humour. Like a bit a more action take. comedy, I think. Yeah, exactly. That's yeah. The more like a Pineapple Express kind right. of action comedy. And that's the direction we were leaning towards. Yeah. And we had one person that we thought would be good for this. Well, role. yeah, which is Chris Hemsworth. Like, right. I mean, if you're going to do an action version of Crocodile Dundee with the biggest Australian actor in the right age group, there's no other choice, really. Right. So, <laughs> this trailer comes out. This trailer comes out. And first, all we know about it is that it has Danny McBride in it, right? Danny McBride playing the illegitimate son of uh, Mick Dundee, right? Okay, that's a funny take, right? If you're going to tell that story, have an illegitimate son, it looks like they're doing fish out of water again. The kind of vague premise that, yeah, we got leaked was that Mick's in trouble in Australia in some way. And he's gone he's, missing. He's gone missing and his illegitimate son has to go and, and find him. Okay, great. Fish out of water. Good way to like bring in the, you know, the original character. We like, you know, that, okay, I like that. It then struck me and I have no way to prove that this is true. I wondered if we had talked about it at the podcast at the time, but I don't know if we did. Um, I talked to Justin about it the other night and he vaguely remembers me mentioning it. But And again, I am in no way uh, suggesting this, any... This, this is, is what happened. Yeah. And this is, A, I don't even know if this is what happened. Yeah. And B, even if this is what happened, um, I have no... Like, there's nothing in my world or mind or whatever that thinks that there's some sort of, like, they've stolen the idea from us. I need to point that out, right? Yeah. But I remembered that when I first went to LA, like, seven or eight years ago, I had a meeting with Danny McBride's production company, and one of the things we talked about was how obsessed I was with rebooting Crocodile Dundee. So suddenly in my head, I'm like, I talked to these motherfuckers. <laughs> now, firstly, we don't even know if Danny McBride's company has anything to do with this, mm, this thing. Because we don't know what it is yet. Because we don't know what it is. We don't know if it's a movie or not. Yeah. Um, My feeling... It's a good idea for a movie. Well, we'll get to that. No, I want I want to know what you think it is in a minute. Yeah. But did you see then that a second trailer came yes. out? Yes. And it starred... Chris Hemsworth. Chris Hemsworth. <laughs> as the son of Wally. Which, I've got to be honest, like in our discussions about Crocodile Dundee... I don't think we flipped the script as much as they've flipped it in whatever this thing is. It's a good idea. Yeah. Like, it's a genuinely good insight into how you could make this work. Yeah. But Chris Hemsworth, Charlie. Yeah. Literally the guy we talked about being in our Crocodile Dundee reboot <laughs> is suddenly in whatever this thing is. Yeah. But, I mean, there's no way, whatever this thing is, that you weren't going to get Chris Hemsworth involved. Like, I think it would be... I just can't think of another Australian actor who you would would, would put in there. Because he does comedy now, right? Right. But here's the thing. He does comedy now, but we've been talking about this idea for fucking five years. Yeah. Like, Back when it was basically Aussie Thor. Right. <laughs> <laughs> we just wanted to see Aussie Thor with crocodiles. We'll be honest with you. <laughs> that was our original working title. <laughs> so... Uh, Dundee, which I think was also one of the titles that we had suggested might be a good title. Yeah, we said. Mick, I think we. Mick, it, I, think. I think if you go to our Facebook page, uh, one of as either a Fosdyke or a Reed Parker, someone actually doctored up a, a, a fake poster. There might have been a couple of them at the time. Yeah, yeah, and uh, so we see all this, 
And so obviously I read everything about it. I've read every article on every website. I now have a deeper understanding if we ever do get a crack at making our Crocodile Dundee <laughs> reboot of where the entire audience feels about the franchise. Yeah, it right. turns out not everyone has the same affection, affection for yeah. the Crocodile Dundee franchise as perhaps uh, we might have optimistically done. Because our first, our insight was, what's Australia's great superhero? Our great, you know, our, who's Pop our culture James icon. Bond? Who's our... Besides Mad Max right. and Ned Kelly, who do we put out there? Right. Paul Hogan, Mick Dundee. Yeah. And, so, and arguably, most, like, international people would think, like, of right. Paul Hogan when you think it's of Australia. It's what people think of Australia. People think Australia is the Outback Steakhouse, which isn't even Australian. <laughs> of course, they think of Australia and Mick Dundee. So... I read all about it. I read a very hot take on The Guardian about how homophobic and transphobic the original film was. And I was like, yes, yeah, all these things are true. But it was a different time. Yeah. And it's not like we'd be making the same jokes. In fact, I would like to think that you would take those sort of same jokes and flip what was like a homophobic or transphobic sort of joke at the time and flip it into a modern context where it like tells the exact opposite point to yeah. what those originals did. Yeah. gives you some actual... This is the great thing about doing a proper well, reboot thing- of this. If you can make it like that sort of proper action comedy, yeah. you have so much... Because I think the best films to reboot are ones that have brilliant ingredients, but you have a way to make it more modern and actually tell the story better, right? Yeah. Like That's why Batman Begins is such a great movie. It has all those previous movies, but there's an opportunity to take all the best bits and get rid of all the kind of shit bits yeah. and kind of yeah make it something better than what it was beforehand. Yeah. But the thi- that's a I think that's also a misreading of the Mick Dundee character. The, yeah, the you don't confuse like the material and, and the target. Like Mick Dundee is a guy who likes everybody, right. but he's a babe in the woods. He's never met a transsexual before. Yeah. So Mick ends up spending the night with those guys and hanging out in the bar. He doesn't hate those people. He's right. just no. It's in the same way a three-year-old would probably react in that situation. I don't think he's a. I think I can understand you wouldn't do the same jokes now, but the character essentially. Well, with a modern-day reading, you know, the way that he tests whether somebody is a woman or a man twice yeah. in the film is by grabbing them by their genitals, <laughs> <laughs> or in the space where their genitals may or may not have been. Uh, so. Well, I guess, like, through a modern context of, like, you know, the, the debate we're having around, you know, like, how women are treated and all those sort of things. Yes. Yeah. But at the time, that was not the point of that joke. No. The point of the joke was inclusiveness. Yes. It might have been done in a way that perhaps today you wouldn't... But the point behind it was, yeah, yeah absolutely, that Mick is a person who, like, likes everyone as long as they're... Up front. Up front. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, what do you think it is? Uh, I feel like it's... It's either a Super Bowl ad or it's uh, I feel like it's an ad. It's an ad for something. Yeah. It's either a product or um, the guys on the Weekly Planet actually discussed this and they said that maybe tourism, which it's I got, think... I mean, I, had a, I heard that Weekly Planet podcast and um, it's a brilliant podcast, the Weekly Planet. Yeah, it's really good. But that <laughs> episode is like, I mean, yeah, back from their break and yeah. just so much stuff to talk about and just... Like even well, you they're know, one was, of those great shows where they had to do like, like three ads or whatever it was yeah. in that first episode because they had all these ads banked up. And I would listen to them do a show that was all ads. Yeah, I don't give same. a shit. The ads are as funny as the rest of the show. Well, James made a point in that episode, which I thought, oh, maybe this is like the kind of age divide, is that they don't really have fond memories of the original no. film. Maybe they're because they're a few years younger than us. But if you were Will and I, my age at the time, when that film hit, it was, you'd never seen anything like that happen in Australia before. Like, this is the 80s. This is the era of like 
Hulk Hogan and the Terminator and like icons and stuff. And then Australia had a legitimate yeah. one that was playing all over the world that had catchphrases and a costume and this stuff. This was our like, Wonder Woman. Totally. Right? Exactly. It was it, it was our moment. <laughs> Hashtag Croc 2. Right. You know, little Aussie kids suddenly dressing up like Mick yeah. Dundee. Yeah. It was, and also, I guess, because you would have had Mad Max before that, but Mad Max is still cult and in their more adult genre. This yeah. is like a family-friendly... Uh, film with homophobic jokes. <laughs> well, that's what and stereotype, stereotype, and stereotypical characters. Yeah, you shouldn't see you shouldn't see the actual jokes through this modern day context, but you should see the message behind it through a yeah. modern day context and realize that the message itself, you know, is actually a really you know a positive message. I think. So um, I watched it. I watched it recently, yeah. and I was like, oh god, this is really slow and clunky. Like right. it feels really dated now. Like it, it's just. It's it's the jokes. There's like a lot of air between jokes because yeah. we're so used to kind of like you know comedy now being much more edgy and and, and right. like but snappy. That's comedy but now. Yeah, it's not what comedy was then. Yeah. Um. So my best guess, and I kind of thought this a bit already, but it's just a guess. But I would say Tourism Australia. Yeah. I I think that is they're the they have a a big budget. Um. The Australian tourism campaigns have been terrible for a long time um australia and tourism tourism was one of our things that you know is so essential to the economy in australia and there is so much um potential tourism you know uh, out to australia and it's a good economy for australia tourism australia have a lot of money and their most iconic ever person that they worked with is paul hogan yeah right like their most iconic campaign the one that worked if you get like if, you, if your uh, idea is, let's go back to what worked in the first place, it was thrown out of the shrimp on the Barbie, Paul Hogan. If you're selling if, to an American international audience, if you could get um, Danny McBride and Paul Hogan to team up, so you got the old thing, but you got this kind of new modern take on that old thing as well. Yeah. Chris Hemsworth, who loves doing ads. Yeah. This is the thing about Krems. If you're Tourism Australia... Who else would you want to be? That yeah, Hensworth got to eat, AFL. man. Hensworth got to eat, right? But see the voice of the AFL now. Yeah, he's the voice that he has been for the last couple of years. Has he? Yeah, since he did that, you know, he did that ad campaign for them. Right, right, um, right. He does all their voiceovers. Like he's the new Samuel Johnson when it comes to voiceovers, but he's the like the the diamond edition. Yeah, right. you know? like you're paying <laughs> oh, for that. Right. Sorry, he's, Sam. Well, it's not no, no, no disrespect to Sam. Sam's your gold standard. <laughs> yeah, but this is like Hemsworth. Not, this is the top shelf. You're just like. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Hemsworth's not doing it for Sam Johnson money. Yeah. Hemsworth doesn't need to ride a unicycle across Australia <laughs> to raise money for his, you know, six sister and he's a hero. And he won a Logie. Anyway, he's doing really <laughs> well, not Sam Johnson. Sam. My point is, we love Sam Johnson. But, you know, I reckon Tourism Australia, they've got Hemsworth, they've got McBride. Yeah. They'll do a series of these sort of, you know, he, he goes down under, you shoot these like bits and pieces and they become the ads. And I think probably you're right at Super Bowl. At this time of the year, with all those, if you're going to make a splash on something, if you're going to make something really big and really cool mm. to hit in that American market, and you're going to have a hundred million eyes on it in America, and like you know, millions and millions all around the world, yeah. I mean, if it's not them, they should have fucking done it. Yeah. Like it's a really good idea. If it's another company who have, you know, managed to get all those properties, I just I don't know how they could have kept it a secret. Like it just. It feels like the kind of thing where, I mean, how do you shoot an entire film? It's meant to be coming out in summer. Like that's this right. year, the American summers. That's yep. the middle of this year. I don't know how you do that in secret. I mean, Danny McBride was in Australia doing that last terrible alien film. 
So it makes sense that an approach right. could have been made then, or Someone's maybe met him from, like, or maybe he let his management know that he really likes he Australia, likes Australia. And if anything comes his way, to is let there him know. any chance that someone will pay me heaps of money to go down there and shoot something that isn't even real? Oh, there is. Oh, mate. Well, this is awesome. Or he could have pitched it. He would have gone, I had yeah. a meeting with a dude eight years yeah, ago. Yeah, exactly. Right. Got a great idea. Well, that's the thing. He wasn't at the meeting either. It was right. like with his dude to, you know, produce his stuff. And the um, the who Mc, made the, not even... Well, so it wasn't any McBride. It was the McBride's mates? Yeah, the McBride's mates. That's what they call themselves. <laughs> <laughs> the card actually says, always a McBride's mate, never a McBride. <laughs> <laughs> if he's not doing that, I'm disappointed. Um, when I was in Portugal yeah. three weeks ago, we went to this uh, place called the LX Factory, which is this cool little industrial area that's filled with like cafes and bookshops and stuff. And there's this amazing bookshop, which it's like three stories and there's just uh, new and used books everywhere. And it's this kind of mad jumble, but you just go around and pick something. And I was walking down an aisle. And if you want to know how famous Paul Hogan was, the only Australian representation in this entire bookstore was a full color like annual about Paul Hogan. It's like printed in 1989, which is like Paul Hogan. It's what Hogan, we did in Australia every year. King we, of we Australia. Paul Hogan, King of Australia. Here's just an annual about Paul Hogan. It was. It was just an annual yeah. about Paul Hogan and it was just like tracking, you know, he his entire huge career. Star, wasn't huge it? star. But that's the thing. It's like we haven't really had that since. Not like self-generated box office or, you know, like even in... I mean, I don't know. What, there's no TV characters. What? Who else have we created that has been that popular? Well, I mean, I don't Yahoo think... Yahoo Serious? Well, no. I mean, in Not America, that. to a certain extent, yeah, because they More of a curiosity, him. though. Exactly. Whereas Paul Hogan... I mean, there was at one stage it was the most successful independent film of all time. Well, let's or think about the, the Olympics. When we had the Olympics in 2000, who'd they bring out? They brought out Kylie Minogue and a thong. Yep. Paul Hogan. Who else? Is that it? Midnight Oil? Oh, no, they played at the end, didn't they? At the closing. Yeah, yeah. Um, the Light Horseman? No, but were there, any, <laughs> were there any other, like, you know, iconic individuals? There was no one, really. Okay, internationally. Look up. Oh, you know what? Let's take a little reminiscent walk down uh, Sydney 2000. 2000. Okay. I was at the opening ceremony. In fact, I called it for Triple J. Did Adam really? and I did a call. Yeah, because they obviously had the broadcast rights. So Adam and I did the show from out at the Olympic Village a lot, um, but we we called the opening ceremony of the um, the Olympics, and uh, there was that moment. Remember when uh, Kathy Freeman lit yeah, the, the torch, and then on the way up, the torch stuck. like stuck, and we were we turned into wrestling commentators because <laughs> we were just like, oh no, no, it's not happening! Like just, oh my god, oh my god! Yeah, it was amazing. Also, because we'd seen the rehearsal, because there was a rehearsal like a couple of nights before, because we were calling it off the telly, but they'd invite us out because, you know, you can't get tickets to the actual, mm. you know, opening ceremony. But um, so we went to the rehearsal like two days before and then called it off the telly in the studio, you know, right. on the night. And um, it hadn't happened at the rehearsal. So it wasn't like, <laughs> it wasn't like we were having one of those James Brown Columbo yeah, moments yeah, yeah. where we're like, we'll just give it a I little... can't go on. Yeah, we'll give it a little on. jiggle at the yeah. end just to really build the tension and bring it it's home. one of the big regrets of my life was not getting up to Sydney for the Olympics in 2000. I had lots when of I had friends just, and family and they just it's when it was I just amazing. moved up here. So for the me... The best impression of Sydney oh, ever. It was. And Sydney siders were at their absolute best. I've never seen them be like that again since. But <laughs> seriously... <laughs> Absolutely never You've been again. chasing the dragon ever was, since. Seriously. It's been 18 years. That's what years. it was like. I came to Sydney basically. Did a when the massive Sydney hit of Sydney. Right. It was like I did 
Yeah, concentrated pure, pure Sydney, Sydney, straight into your veins. And since then, I've been getting this cut, cut down, shit. fucking oh, shitty man. Sydney. And if it's so ridiculous, the fact that they don't legalize Sydney, <laughs> allow you to test it before you move here. Exactly. Let's just get some quality Olympic Sydney. <laughs> yeah, um, the opening ceremony of the 2001 Summer Olympics took place on Friday, the 15th of September, at Stadium Australia. <sighs> that was lucky; it wasn't two years earlier. Um, let's have a look at, uh, okay. Oh, here are the contents. So the prelude, the welcome, the anthem, deep sea dreaming, awakening, nature, tin symphony, arrivals. Was it directed by Baz Luhrmann? Am I I right? I think it was. Yeah. Yeah. A new era and eternity, Sydney 2000 Olympic band, parade of nations, dare to dream, opening addresses, heroes live forever, the Olympic flag, the flame. So, okay. Let's, where, where are the celebrities in there? Gonna, yeah, it doesn't really say, so I'm going to whip through. Um, all right, yeah, okay. Who cares about the prelude? Um, the welcome. Oh, here we go. Okay, all right. Uh, the opening ceremony began with a tribute to the heritage of the Australian stock horse with the arrival of a lone rider, Steve Jeffries. Oh, I remember that. Nah. Like, so remember the thing they did with the horses at the start? It was an amazing sort of... So all the horses are running? Yeah. It yeah, was yeah. like horses, like... Impres- horse race. Yeah. No, it wasn't a race. They never race. <laughs> There's no winners. No. All the horses run it together. It was organized horsing. Yeah. It was like it was river dance, but with horses. horses. <laughs> Did you call it horsing? Yeah. Organized horsing. Organized horsing. I don't think that's a thing, but sure. It is. I saw it at the Olympics. <laughs> but the one guy came in first, and his name was uh, Steve Jeffries. So it's about to start, Charlie. Right. And you've got to imagine this one lone uh, stockman coming in uh, in his Akubra, <laughs> you know, with his uh, dryzer bone on. Gets out a gum leaf, puts it to his bum, and farts the national anthem. <laughs> Everyone's like, Baz, it's a good first draft. <laughs> But we've got a couple of notes, if you don't mind. Uh, Steve Jeffries, who's Australian stock horse, Ammo. Ammo? Ammo. That's what you need, mate. So Ammo, so Steve rides in on Ammo. Yeah. And uh, what Better than ham- riding in on Ammo. What does Ammo do? Uh, I don't know, like rears up? Exactly. Oh, rears up. Sorry. Exactly what Ammo does. Mic. Yeah. And then says in horse voice, stop. Ammo time. Uh, <laughs> that was my horse voice. Uh, why did it sound like Sean Connery? Stop. Ammo time. I don't know why. <laughs> uh, and then does that MC have a dance? Yeah, right. Yeah, it was amazing. The Gangnam Style. Yeah, 15 years organ- before Gangnam Style. No, it was organized horsing. What's on Gangnam Style? Uh, Steve Jeffries then cracked his stock whip, Charlie. Yeah. How Aussie is this? I mean, this is like our lives every day. Don't yep. you reckon? Yeah, yeah. It's going to work this morning. Saw a guy cracking his stock whip. Yeah. And a further 120 riders and their stock horses entered the stadium and performed intricate steps. So there was horses, organized dancing. horsing, organized exactly. horsing, uh, including forming the five Olympic rings. So this is how organized they were. They yeah. formed in the shape of the Olympic rings to the music of Bruce Rowland, who composed the Special Olympics version of the main theme which he composed for the 1982 film, The Man from Snowy River. You know what? Reading about this... Is making you emotional? It makes me want to go back and watch it. Yeah. Like, you know, like there is a part of you that's like, when you go home later, I'm going to stay up and be re-watching moments from the opening ceremony of the Olympics. Um, All right. Uh, So he'd done a remix of his own version of The Man from Snowy River. Uh, A giant banner... Painted by Sydney artist 
um, uh, Kendone? Brett Whiteley. Kendone. Fuck, really? Yeah, I know. Brett Whiteley would have been a lot cooler. Yeah. But no, we got the T-shirt. Brett Whiteley's probably a bit dark. Yeah. Got, <laughs> is that a Whiteley? It's a Whiteley. Is that, so, is that someone shooting up in a bathtub? Yeah, it's great. Yeah, we found it next to his body. <laughs> his last wish was to be at the Olympics. Um, Ken Dome. Ken Dome. So essentially they unfurled a giant tea towel. Uh, <laughs> and it said, what did it say? What did Ke- the Ken Dome, the, so the Ken Dome t-shirt says one word on it, G'day. Charlie. G'day. <laughs> I mean, I can see it. Before you even got to, there was a word on it. I, when you said tea towel, I saw it with the bloody koala and the g'day. Like, it's all there. G'day. Uh, Ignatius Jones was the segment director. The costume designer was Christian Fredrickson. And uh, the graphic designer was Ken Doan. Um, okay. So then they played the Australian National Anthem. Um, uh, Advanced Australia Fair. Which was sung by... This is fun, actually. I'm enjoying this. Uh, oh. Who was the Australian National Anthem sung by? I'll give you some clues. Yeah. So one of them is uh, you go to in Australia. John Farnham? No, to, to sing the National Anthem at a sporting uh, event. Oh. So John Farnham would be great, yeah. but you don't see John Farnham singing at the Melbourne Cup or at the oh, AFL Grand question. Final or whatever. For uh, about, male or female? Female. And for about 15 years, she had a lock on pretty much. Marina Pryor? National Anthem lady. Marina Pryor? Think Banks. Common Julie Anthony. Oh, do you remember Julie Anthony? No, you don't know Julie Anthony. Who is she? Oh, you you'd know Julie Anthony if you saw Julie. Anthony. Okay, yeah. I'm thinking of Julie Andrews. That's not Julie Anthony. It's not. <laughs> they have different names. All right, we can close the podcast down. <laughs> okay. Finally, after eight years, all the only reason I started Tofop was to work out is Julie Anthony the same as Julie Andrews? Turns out, no. No. Gone on Google would have solved this seven years ago. Dave Anthony, not the same person as Dave Andrews. So deep. Um, so Julia Anthony, who is pretty much your go-to, you'll, okay. you'll know her when you see her. Sure. And an Australian pop act of the time, um, who... Big act? They were very big in Australia, um, for ages. They're very good singers. Ah, oh, uh, Human Nature. Human Nature. Fuck, correct. the Human Nature got a Guernsey. Human Nature and Julie Anthony sang the Australian National Anthem. Oh my God, a, a decent obsession must have been spewing. Accompanied by... <laughs> Who, uh, the Sydney Symphony Orchestra. Okay. Um, so William Dean, uh, the Governor-General, the Prime Minister at the time, John Howard, and Juan Antonio Samaranch. Uh, all right. Um, so. Uh, deep Juan sea, Antonio wants a sandwich. Uh, deep Sea Dreaming was the first segment. Okay, it's underwater. So the segment celebrates Australia's affinity with the sea, with the stadium floor being turned into a beach setting. All right. Well, now we're just now we're really getting back to the heart of what happened at the opening ceremony. When you were like, which celebrities did they okay. have perform? Okay. There was one person who captured our nation and the world's hearts. Olivia Newton John. Oh no, Nikki Webster. Nikki Webster. Sorry, Nikki Webster arrives in beachwear. Oh yeah, and bus in the light. She seemed to fall asleep on the beach and drifts oh, that's right. into a dream. It's a dream. The performers represent the sea and various aquatic fauna appear and move around the arena floor. This was a tribute to the Great Barrier Reef oh, off wow. the coast of Australia. Couldn't do that anymore. Well, it'd be a very different version. <laughs> yeah, mostly his... destructive coral yeah. and mining boats. <laughs> Nikki Webster was then hoisted up in the air by, oh, she flew. by overhead wires and swam with the sea creatures. <gasps> but yeah, she flew through the air. 
Other swimmers were also present, being coached on a large screen by Australian swimming coach... Dawn Fraser? No. So this guy again, maybe you missed this, oh. but there was a guy who was very famous yeah. as being a cheerleader for yeah. what it meant to be Australian. Did he have a name that was like, yes. it's a J... Oh, it, no. he, had, he had a name that was like a... Sounds S-S. like a character. Yes. Yeah, correct. It has the same first letter in both Yeah, yeah. What is it? Oh, Steve. And the first name sounds a bit like the last name. If that's any clue. Steve Stevenson. Who <laughs> is it? Laurie Lawrence. Laurie Lawrence! <laughs> I knew that. Um, uh, okay. Uh, the performance was the Sydney Symphony Orchestra, Sydney Children's Choir. Okay, blah, blah, blah. Uh, the Awakening. Yes. The Awakening ceremony segment celebrated Australia's Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander cultures, which date back... Thousands of years, it says on Wikipedia, but let's go with 60 to 100,000 years, the oldest living civilization on the planet. A special welcome was made to countries competing at the games. Uh, Yolongu, Yolongu, I should know that. A Yolongu elder and songman. Oh, oh no. Uh, it's an indigenous name, which I, out of respect for the person, I'm not going to try to pronounce. And our listeners who have to listen to uh, try and Guided Nikki Webster through the segment. Narration for the said segment was by Wajari actor and TV personality. So he's an Indigenous Australian actor and TV personality. Did the narration for this segment. How old? What era are we talking? Well, Would very he be... famous at the time, but hasn't done a lot since. But at the time was a beloved icon in Australia. Had a bit of a Paul Ernie Hogan. Dingo? Ernie Dingo. Correct answer. You're good at this. Yeah. You know your country. You can come in. <laughs> That's a citizenship <laughs> test. Yeah, right. Um, all right, uh, the next segment. That was actually a good comparison to say he had a Paul Hogan quality. He totally did. Right. A similar sort of yeah, laconic. Back, larrikin sort yeah. of sense of humor. Yeah, I never thought the of that. The nature segment showcased the Australian outback, wildlife, and flora. It began with various fire performers, jugglers, breathers, moving across the stadium floor, symbolizing the advance of a bushfire. Oh, shit. In the aftermath, performers representing the flora stir as the land is replenished <gasps> with water and life. Ah. Oh. The stadium floor. When do we dig it up? For the, then, when do we then, dig it up for the coal? And then <laughs> Gina Reinhardt comes in <laughs> and digs Wouldn't it up. would that be amazing? The actors as the, as, as the flora like regrowing and then suddenly a giant fucking mining truck comes in and just digs up the stadium. Well, this is, all the actors get mulched. Well, this is our gritty reboot. Yeah. We, we pitch people. This is our new TV show. Yeah. We want to restage the Sydney 2000 <laughs> opening ceremony. But relevant to now. But a gritty reboot. Yeah. Yeah. yeah relevant to now. Yeah. Dead, dead Great Barrier Modern Reef. <laughs> Same Nikki Webster. World's largest coal mine. But we make her mine. fly through. Yeah, exactly. So we do the Barrier Reef thing. Then at the end, yeah. just a giant coal tanker comes through. Yeah, because aren't we high on the list for obesity now? Like they can't yeah. even get Nikki in the air. Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> the obesity issue. Nikki's eating like a, a bucket of KFC chicken. Um, the nature segment showcased the Australian outback wildlife and flora. Yep, okay. human nature should have sung in the nature segment. That was That's a no-brainer, Baz. They're human nature, not actual nature. Nature. Uh, the stadium floor is filled with two very different things. Human nature is about how we behave to each other as human beings, whereas nature is like trees and plants and shit. So human nature are actually have no affinity with like it's not even part of their. DNA. It's not canon to human nature. <laughs> we get it. Do you, do you? Yes. Okay. 
<laughs> I was just saying the words were the same. I know they mean two different things. Mm, that isn't what you said, though. Um, I said human nature is by the nature thing. Yeah. Because their names are similar. Mm. Not, I didn't say anything else. Well, you implied a lot of No, I didn't. <laughs> you can't pin this on me. I can. I have. Case closed. So <laughs> this is not a courtroom. <laughs> we're out of here, Julie Anthony. Um, the stadium floor is filled with performers dressed in costumes representing various flowers, including Australia's distinctive wildflowers, such as the... Uh, what's Australia... Oh, such uh, as... Uh, the sorry, wattle. Such as Australia's national flower. The wattle. Correct. Uh, this the, is the wattle. You can hold it in your hand. You can... What is it? This is, the, this is the wattle, the symbol of our land. You can stick it in a bottle. You can hold it in your hand. I always felt like that was going to be dirtier at the end. <laughs> no. Do you know what I mean? You can stick it up your ass. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right, so uh, the golden wattle, uh, yeah. the state flower of New South Wales. Uh, it's the uh, Waratah. Yeah, correct. Uh, and the Sturt Desert Pea, the water lilies and eucalypt flowers. <sighs> the fauna, which were represented by seven large paintings by Geoffrey Samuels, were then revealed, depicting the indigenous animal life in Australia. Kangaroo. Oh, okay. Hang on. Oh, they don't tell you which ones. Oh, they don't. Well, let's just guess. Kangaroo's okay. got to be there, Kangaroo, right? Kangaroo, emu, koala, wombat. Is he going to mention? Yeah, I reckon wombat, platypus. What about platypus? Well, we're, we're dominating the marsupial. Does a reptile need for diversity? We need to put a reptile in there. I mean, like a, croc? a crocodile, maybe a crocodile, or a snake. We got, feels a bit we got out of place. Three of the deadliest ones. Now it looks like <laughs> yeah, cuddly, score. cuddly, cuddly. <laughs> Isn't that a fucking the most venomous snake on the planet? It's a suicide squad. There's another great idea. Right. Reboot this, re- reboot this squad, as a kids animated animals. film. Oh, okay. I was thinking with just oh, like Australian, Australian marsupials. And some deadly ones. Yeah. Yeah. Well, or how about the marsupials have to transport the deadly snake across the country and then the snake starts playing mind games and then like, you know, they get attacked by another group and they've got to work out, can they give the snake a gun? Well, they can't give him a gun because he's got no arms, but right. can they trust no, the snake? give him eight guns. Oh no, sorry. <laughs> yeah, that's a snake. Spider. Sorry. <laughs> give him eight guns. You've got eight times the problem he had when you gave him one gun, Will. <laughs> You're right. I was thinking of a spider. Um, <laughs> because there's a spider in here and we'd already, we, this was during the break. Fuck, where has that spider gone? I don't know. Somewhere? He's a spider. He just goes somewhere. I oh, know. He's on the... He was on the roof. He's on the, right he's on the wood now. Okay. He was he's, on mo- the roof. he's moving closer to you. Yeah, that's okay. I live I live in, as one with the spiders. All right. I'm totally in tune and fine with the spiders. We, they they keep to their own space and I keep to my own space. And when they go, come into the house house, I, I remove them from the house yeah. and release them back into the wild. But if they want to hang out in my office with me, then that is fine. I don't mind the spiders. Be great if like spiders was actually just some euphemism you use for some like racial minority you didn't like. Oh, yeah, like when people instead of saying black say green. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, hey, I don't like spiders. Like, I don't like. I mean, you know, spiders. We, we know. We I stay away from them. They stay away from me. Yeah. <laughs> they come fine. into my house. I take yeah. them outside. Exactly. Last <laughs> time I thought he was talking about spiders. He just hates his neighbour. He's really racist. Yeah. Horrible racist. <laughs> Um, all right, so uh, it doesn't say uh, what the animals were, unfortunately, but when we restage ours. Uh, tin Symphony. Oh, I think it was on the Tin Lids. Uh, Next up, the Tin Lids, Australia's favourite child band. Uh, in the Tin Symphony segment, cases of the European settlement in Australia were shown. Ooh, oh, that, I guess not yeah, all of them. No. And the development of Australia into a rural and civic country. Uh, the segment began 
with the arrival of Captain James Cook and crew with bicycles to represent his ship, HM Bark Endeavour. During Captain Cook's exploration of the Australian East Coast, the performer acting as Captain Cook lit a firework to start the segment. A caged fake rabbit was shown aboard the ship. Okay. What? Yeah. Look, I mean, it's not. It's hard to make the white settlement of Australian fun. So yeah, yeah. Let's we'll just speed more, through this. This bit. is the educational bit of it. Um, I okay. Hang on, it's getting better. Um, Tin Symphony Part One. This rollicking reel, co-written and produced by Ian Cooper and uh, don't know them, includes an Irish jig montaged with drums, bush sounds, and voice. A multitude of performers dress as iconic bush ranger Ned Kelly. With costumes based on Sir Sidney Nolan's series of Ned Kelly yeah, paintings. Yeah, right, that's there you cool. Go. Then it would have been better if it was Ken Doan's series <laughs> of Ned Kelly paintings. Then appear onto the stadium floor with other symbolic items of the outback, such as corrugated iron and stormwater tanks. Sure. A mechanical horse-like vehicle was present, which then changed into a windmill. Cultural items such as wood cutting and whip cracking were showcased. Irish dancers present in this segment uh, danced on the corrugated iron sheets with umbrellas made up to look like giant cogs and wheels representing the industrial growth uh. of Australia. Uh, the tempo changed as Australia's rural aspects were introduced. In the middle of the stadium floor, a shed was constructed from the corrugated iron sheets. I mean, they've done a lot with the corrugated iron sheets. Yeah. I'll give them that. Out of the shed comes a unique representation of sheep and important livestock. The sheep were then presented by performers in cardboard boxes that move along with the music. Australian suburbia is then represented as the performers emerge from the cardboard boxes. This is where Baz is really late in his straps now, right? Suburban Australia, he's just rubbing his hands together. Right, but this is... Time for some pastel, time for a bit of dancing. Well, it's funny that you should say that because all the dancers now come out with Victor Lawnmowers, which they then form into the Olympic rings. Okay. Baz. 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 Nice one, Baz. I reckon when he came up with that, he was just like, "Yeah, that'll do, Baz. That'll do. (laughs) Uh, the giant mechanical horse then made another appearance before Nicky Webster gives an apple. Started screaming from the ceiling, I'm still up here! You forgot about me! <laughs> Until Nicky Webster fell from the ceiling. <laughs> you could say the nation really fell for Nicky Webster, but, but she, she fell, fell for the nation. The ceiling. <laughs> she has no feeling from the neck down. Uh, the mechanical horse neighs to signify the end of the segment. All right. Where are the celebs, man? Um, arrivals. Oh, here we go. The arrivals segment of the ceremony celebrated Australia's multiculturalism aspects, introducing each continent with a float and costume symbolizing each continent. Oh, God, please say we did this the right way. <laughs> the like, segment started... I don't like the sound of that. Like book week? This is going to go yeah. book week? <laughs> yeah. The first lot of dancers were in blackface. But it was Vegemite, which was culturally a twist on it. Uh, the segment started with the African continent oh, and God. its representatives, the Jackson Jive. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that would be amazing. Australia. Wow. By the way, if you're an international <laughs> listener and you do not know what we were talking about, just... I think we did an episode yeah, on it, didn't we? we? Yeah, I, we must have yeah. at some stage. It's one of the yeah. great stains on our Just yeah, Google, hey, hey, hey Saturday, Saturday, Jackson, Jackson Jive. Oh, Jackson Jive. Jackson Jive, because they're pretending to be the Jackson Jacksons Jive. and they're in blackface. Anyway, stay until what Harry Connick Jr. says. <laughs> um, mu- okay, the segment started with the African continent, uh, dancing into the stadium wearing black costumes. Then a splash of yellow 
uh, entailed the arrival of the Asian immigrants. Oh, really? I mean, I mean, I mean, I get what they're doing, but but, uh, but this is Wikipedia too. Maybe the guy writing this particular part of the Wikipedia trees like. He's from the Australian Patriots front or yeah, something. It's like, and then the bloody Asians got their own colour. <laughs> Coming over here, taking yellow. our colours. I used to love yellow. I mean, has yellow ever been used to describe Asians in a positive? Because it's always like yellow peril, well, yellow skin. Well, in Australia, I think. I think perhaps, you know, there's probably, you know, ways that it can be. But, but have they in historically? Well, not here. I mean, Next came the Italians on the wog float. <laughs> <laughs> Led by Nick Giannopoulos. <laughs> uh, all right, here we go. Uh, so, uh, the yellow for the Asians, led by two Chinese lion dancers. Europe was introduced by the colour green. Uh, oh, the Irish must have been spewing. Red, uh, the arrival of people from the Americas. Uh, the Pacific Islands, with an emphasis on New Zealand, came into the stadium with vivid blue costumes. The five floats maneuvered into position uh, to represent the res- respective rings. Uh, they're the colours of the Olympics. Ah, oh, right. Okay. That's yeah, but right. don't give... Asia yellow? Well, I mean, that's maybe what Asia... Maybe, oh, maybe that's what it rings. represents. I think that's what they represent. Right. So it's really the Olympic oh, it's not rings like... we have a problem with, not Baz's take on it. Um, all right. Yeah, maybe you're right. Yeah. That makes more sense. Uh, the performers stood with arms outreached towards the audience. With form, arms wide open! Uh, with forming the coastline of Australia and thus symbolising Australia's welcoming arms... This is a sentence that's dated a little since the year 2000, Charlie. Uh, Forming the coastline of Australia and thus symbolising Australia's welcoming arms to people from all over the world. Uh, Depends what part of the world. Yeah. And how you got here. In our modern day take, they'll open their arms and then they'll cross their arms (laughs) and then we'll send you to another island that's not part of our (laughs) A smaller stadium. Yeah, and lock you up. Overcrowded. It's weird that they locked up those desks. And then turn off the power. In that corrugated iron. Australia. Um, okay, so uh, wide open arms. Uh, the many children dressed... Also in- symbolising that 90% of Australians live on the coast. Yeah, exactly. Well, that is more accurate. Uh, then many children dressed in the Olympic colours flood into the arena to form the solid shape of Australia. As the performers from the sequence before leave the performance floor, Nikki Webster then performed the song Under Southern Skies with five people representing each con- uh, continent standing with her. Okay, blah, 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 blah. Well, I know we have to finish up, so I'm going to try to... Uh, Just get to the fucking through. celebs, mate. Well, that's what I'm trying to do, mate. <laughs> uh, Adam Garcia's in the next bit, oh, tap yeah. dancing. Tap dogs. He's very good at tap dancing. Uh, this is New Era and Eternity. Um, anyway, a lot of dancing. Uh, probably was really good. Uh, <laughs> Sydney 2000 Olympic Band. Okay, a band played. Right. They wore dry zermones. Oh, good on them. Okay, good on them. Pray to Nations. That's everyone coming in. Yeah. Dare to Dream. Okay, here we go. Here we go. So the Olympic song was called Dare to Dream. It was written uh, especially by the... Uh, by Kenny Loggins. By Kenny Loggins. <laughs> Just all synth. Uh, it was sung by two people. Olivia Newton-John and John Farnham. Olivia Newton-John and John Farnham. Olivia Newton-John Farnham, as we used to call them. <laughs> uh, opening addresses. Yep, blah, blah, blah. Heroes live forever. Okay, what's that? Um, okay. Oh, here we go. An enormous white sheet was produced on the lower audience stand and brought down over the crowd by workers. Whilst this happened, images of past sporting legends were displayed on the sheet and then a dove of peace in the Olympic rings for everyone in the stadium to see. And then the song Heroes Live Forever uh, was sung uh, by an Australian 
pop star of the time mm. who it's fair to say probably female or male female who is probably the least remembered of the people we've talked about so I'm far. I'm going to just stab in the dark because yeah. it's the first thing that came to me. Vanessa Amorosi. Charlie. Is that you right? Play this. You definitely no, 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 no. Your Sydney Olympics 2000. Holy shit, man. Vanessa Amorosi. Um, the Olympic flag comes in. Yep, that happens. Oh, okay. Here we go. Uh, it's the, uh, carried around the arena by eight former Australian Olympic champions. Um, Bill Roycroft, Murray Rose, Leanne Tooth, uh, Gillian Rolton. Leanne Floating Tooth? Uh, Marjorie Jackson, Lorraine Crap, <laughs> Michael Wendell. Still gets And Nick, Nick Green. Uh, during the raising of the Olympic flag, the Olympic hymn was sung in Greek. Yeah, okay. Um, the opening ceremony concluded. No celebrities, Charlie. Oh, they didn't list it. We read the whole fucking thing. No, I think the celebrities were at the closing ceremony. Oh, no. We're not Which is an episode for another time. Um, let's get to the flame. This was the final bit and then All we can right. finish. Uh, the opening ceremony concluded with the lighting of the Olympic flame. Tina Arena and the Sydney Children's Choir performed... Tina Arena? Yeah. Tina Arena performed the flame before Australian Olympic champion... Who brought the Olympic flame into the stadium? A former Australian Olympic champion. Betty Cuthbert. I'll give you a clue. It's a man. Oh. He has two first names. Uh, one of them is uh, also the name of a condiment of some kind. And one of them is a character from E.T. Um, one of them is something that the colonel keeps a secret. And the other one is something that you might spice. associate with a goblet. Sp- sp- uh, Harry Spice? <laughs> Yes. Famous Australian Olympic champion Harry Spice <laughs> brought the Olympic flame in. I was still trying to think about E.T. E- e- oh, Elliot. Uh, Elliot. Uh, fuck, what's his name? Elliot Ness. No. <laughs> uh, Herb Elliot. Herb Elliot. <laughs> I like Harry Spice better. <laughs> But he said goblet. I was like Harry Potter. Elliot Goblet. Oh, I was going. He said goblet. I was thinking a goblet of fire. I, I thought Harry would Potter. Just give it away too quickly. And you were like, no. Nope. I was. My head was still stuck in ET. Going, what was that little kid's name? Again? Yeah, okay. Elliot. <laughs> Harry Spice. Okay, so Harry Spice brings it in. Then, so it's like if Harry Styles had a baby with one of the Spice Girls. Harry Spice. It's next generation. One Direction ah, has smart. babies with the Spice Girls and they bring out like a tin lid style sort of thing. And one of the kids is called Harry Spice. Um, so uh, he, he hands it over, the Olympic flame. Yeah. Uh, so they were celebrating 100 years of women's participation in the Games. So it was uh, then female champions from then onwards. So, uh, well, there was like, okay, I'll, I'll, I won't... Get you to name them all, but we'll uh, see if we can get a few. So one of them has a statue outside the MCG. Betty Cuthbert. Betty Cuthbert. Well done. Uh, one of them um, has the Aussiest first name of all time, and her last name uh, she shares uh, with uh, both a skin condition and a director of movies. Sharon Exma. <laughs> Raylene Boyle. <laughs> I like your version better. better. I like all right, next one. Uh, the next one shares her name with a time of the day and a former Prime Minister of Australia. Noon Howard. <laughs> <laughs> Noon Howard or Dawn Fraser. Either will do. 
Noon Howard. Um, I like Noon Howard. I don't know how to do Shirley Strickland. Uh, oh, right. Yeah, you could say you could have said that we lived in a neighbourhood. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, so um, uh, the next one has a, a male, it could be a male first name as well as a female first name. Um, and uh, uh, there is a U in gold. Bobby Gould. Shane Gould, not oh. that. Uh, and last but not least, um, this uh, uh, athlete has certainly uh, uh, been successful around the world. I know she's done Dallas. Um, and you know, she was a queen of the track and, uh, uh Debbie Minaj, a lover of English cricket. Cause she has like a double barrel last name. Debbie Flintoff King. Be- Debbie Flintoff King. Correct. Uh, brought the torch through the stadium and handed it over to, of course, Noon Howard, <laughs> Kathy Freeman, Kathy Freeman. Uh, all right. Um, the Olympic flame was, uh, okay, here we go. Uh, the planned spectacular climax to the ceremony was delayed by the technical glitch of a computer switch that malfunctioned, causing the sequence to shut down by giving a false reading. This meant the Olympic flame was suspended in midair for about four minutes, rather than immediately. Is it that long? Yeah. See, that's amazing. I right? remember it. Four I, thought, I just remember it being like a little shutter. I don't no, remember it being like a four minutes, rather than immediately rising up the waterfall to the top of the stadium. When the cause of the problem was discovered, the program was overridden and the cauldron continued its course. The ceremony concluded with a spectacular fireworks display because it's Australia and we love setting off fucking fireworks, mate. It's the best, mate. It's the fucking Australia. Best. Um, all right, well, there you go. It's the story of the opening of the Olympic Games for the year 2000. Yeah. Flop, bringing the latest news. Which is actually not what we wanted to talk about. It turns out we wanted to talk about the closing ceremony. <laughs> Nothing sums up this podcast better than the last half hour. <laughs> uh, all right. Um, I'm doing some shows all around the country. Uh, the show is called We're Legal. It is all about, um, well, at this stage in my process, uh, it starts from uh, when I leave for a flight to go to Wagga Wagga and it ends with me getting home uh, the next night and it is everything that happens between those two things. And the entire show is just about that, which is um, really exciting to me to write something that's just about one thing and as I was uh, bitching to Charlie before we started this podcast, it's I've got too much stuff. That's the problem. So everything must go. Yeah, I'm in a process of like whittling it down to what I think the story is best told. But um, I think this is going to be a really. What fun did you say to me? So you feel like you have twice as much material? Yeah, I think I really do. I feel like at my edit where I'm like, this all has to stay in. There's still twice as much as it needs to be there. But that's down from about ten times as much. <laughs> so I feel like I'm getting there bit by bit. But. Um, I've never done more work, work on a show. I um, have never felt sort of like so personal about a show. I think this is going to be a really, um, I hope this, is, if you like me or if you're interested in coming to see me to stand up, then this will probably be as good an example of it uh, as, as we'll have. Hopefully nothing worse than that will happen to me next year. So um, uh, I am going to be touring that all over the country. Adelaide Fringe is the first place you can see me do that. I will say with Adelaide, it is selling double what it was selling last year. So clearly Adelaide love a fucking criminal. They like a bit of this edge. Um, I'm doing fewer shows. So that means there is not that many tickets left. So if you're in Adelaide and you want to get a ticket, particularly to the night you want to go, getting quick. Uh, after that, Brisbane Comedy Festival, Melbourne International Comedy Festival, where I'm doing all four weeks, Wednesday to Sunday. But I will say that the Friday and Saturdays are selling really, really quickly. So if you want to come on the Friday or the Saturday nights, 
I'm doing an earlier show this year, a 7 o'clock show rather than a 9.15. So uh, come along and see that. And then after that, Perth Comedy Festival and Sydney and Canberra will be on sale probably first or second week of February. All right. Um, you want to support the show, you can go to patreon.com forward slash TOEFOP. Um, we're doing more of these Q&A videos. So if you uh, sign stop up... talking into the mic. Can you just talk into the mic? Hello, hello, oh, hello. Yeah. No, yeah, That's right. Maybe my head's too far away. Maybe, yeah. I still my big bloody Patreon pitch. Yeah. No, just... I, didn't, I wanted people to hear it. All right. Oh! <laughs> I'll do it like crazy Clint's car warehouse. Um, no, uh, if you want to support the show, patreon.com is the best way to do it. Yes, we do have advertisers, but at the moment... Uh, Sometimes. It's periodic. Yeah. And so in order for us to have some continuity to keep employing... Uh, you know, Mike Howell and, and, and Fosdyke to do artwork for us and just to make sure we can do more things in the future, your support counts. So go to Patreon. Um, one of the bonuses, there's a lot of bonus material there. You get everyone relaxed, the comic book, you get all behind the scenes photos. Um, there's digital copies of TOEFOP 100, the show we did uh, first time I think we had Dixie on stage with us in a, in a proper capacity. Um, but now uh, these Q&A videos we're doing, if you want to see them early, I'm going to upload them a few days before they get listed on YouTube. So if you're desperate to see more more Q&A stuff there's another incentive to sign up to Patreon yeah and um, share them around if you think someone would enjoy the little Q&As um, you know they're easy to share around and it might get them give them a bit of a vibe of what the show's like and they might want to dip their toe in so and, and we should just update people as well uh, Teespring uh, yeah. turns out a, a, a terrible like they took down some artwork and then some, it was up again and then some up it the next day again. so please re-employ you if you like this show if you like uh, Weekly Planet if you like the dollop there's only one place to get their stuff or there's go, go to the websites of those podcasts yes. that you like. Don't just believe anyone who says they have merch yeah. and um, definitely don't believe Teespring. There are criminals who have more of our merch than we have of our merch, Shelley. Yeah. And people are giving them money. People who want to support this show are giving criminals money that yeah. they could give to us criminals. Yeah. Give it to us. We'll yeah. misspend it. Perfectly. Exactly. <laughs> On entertainment for you guys. Come on, guys. Um, is there anything else we have to mention? That's it. That's it. Oh, I might have a faux fop floating around, maybe. I think there's a Lindsay Webb one uh, that we... Re- well, there is one, but I don't know if we'll just leave it in, in case we have a week where we need to put something in or whether... <laughs> where we have to patch over, the, patch over a hole in the wall. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Let's, okay, you know what? We'll leave it. We'll yeah. put a Lindsay Webb one up um, when uh, yeah. when we have a week off. Yeah, have stage, a, cause we've got Lindsay in the bank. You're going to do some more um, travelling. Yes, uh, so, in a couple of weeks, yeah. And you're going to be away for months. Right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, Potentially. Months. Yeah. Potentially away for like three months. Two to three months, yeah. Yeah, okay. So, I mean, we'll, we'll try to continue doing the podcast during that time, obviously. Yeah. But um, it's good to have a couple up our sleeve, I suppose. Yep, all right. This is probably an off-air conversation. Definitely. If people are still listening <laughs> at this point. I'm Charlie Clawson. I'm Will Anderson. This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbroadcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. It's not optional. You have to do it. (laughs) We used to go easy on it, but now you have to. Yeah. Yeah.